If we were to take a survey of the Western world about what they value the most, uh, I think one thing that would appear near the top, if not the top, is freedom. All right, we all value freedom, right? I think that's a pretty easy one that we can shake our hand and, and say yes. And when we look at our world, we have unprecedented freedom, in, at least in our society. All right, we uh, can travel places that we've never really had that freedom to travel to before. Uh, if you were to go even 100 years ago, uh, traveling from one country to the next was an ordeal and, and took time. Uh, we sent uh, uh, six people to Taiwan, and w- they got there in 24 hours, all right? And, and they didn't even has, have to ask the Taiwanese government if they could come or not before they got there, all right? When they got there, they had to say, can we come in? But, but we didn't have to get permission uh, beforehand. So, so we have a lot of freedom to, to kind of go out uh, and do different things, all right? But uh, I also wonder if we understand what freedom is. I think if we were to ask, what is the definition of freedom, I think we come up with different answers. And I think a lot of the issues that we see in our world today, in our country, is because we have different ideas of what it means to be free. The Republicans, they have an idea of what freedom is. They may be right or wrong. The Democrats have probably a different definition of freedom, uh, which, again, may be right or wrong. The third-party candidates... Uh, they have a different definition, which, again, might be right or wrong. I don't know that we can really say which is right or wrong, although I'm sure you're, what, whoever, wherever you stand, you believe that is right. All right? And, and that's kind of where we're at, and I think that's why we see what we're seeing happening uh, today. I think the reason why we do have these issues is because in the West, at least in America, we like to individualize everything. It's all about me and myself. And when it comes to freedom, that's what we want to define it as. Can I do what I want to do? Can I choose my own path? No one is allowed to tell me which way to go or which way not to go. And it causes a lot of problems because if I believe that, that freedom for me is doing whatever I want and no one can tell me differently, that's a poor definition of freedom. Uh, if anything, that's childishness. Right, when, when people say, you can't tell me I'm wrong, all right, that's childishness. Right, and, and because of this is kind of our definition individually, I mean, no one likes to be told that they're wrong, and, and they go to this idea of freedom. You don't, I, I had a uh, friend in, high, in college that used to say, anytime somebody said something to him, he would say, you don't brush my hair. You know, and, and that was kind of his way of saying, I get to do whatever I want to do. And so I want us to talk about freedom because I think Paul, throughout the book of Galatians, has been discussing this topic, freedom. What does it mean to be free? And I don't think for Paul that when he uses this word that he is talking about uh, individualistic freedom. I think he's talking about something different. Uh, too often we... Uh, take words and meanings of words that are in 20th century, uh, 21st century, I guess now, uh, English, and we tried to translate it back into what Paul is actually trying to say. And that's the problem is, is that that's not how language works. We have to understand what Paul meant in order for us to understand what it means for us. 
All right, and I think that's why uh, when we look at Galatians and understanding this freedom, Paul's not talking about the individual's choice to do whatever they want to do. I think what he's talking about is freedom to choose who we will be slaves to. And that's kind of opposite for us, right? When we're talking about freedom, we think about freedom from slavery, right? No one is in control of us. But I think when Paul talks about freedom, he's talking about this choice on who can we be, who are we, we, we get to choose who we're going to be slaves to. So let's uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5 and, and kind of read uh, what he has to say there. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 13 uh, and just reading the first uh, couple of verses in this section. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. There's that word, right? But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Uh, so here we see that, that Paul talks about being set free, and then he says this idea, right? You aren't free to do whatever you want to do. Right? Don't use your freedom to indulge in sin. I, he, he talks about we are being set free, and throughout this, the last couple of chapters in Galatians, he's been trying to set up this dichotomy, right, between your former life, which was defined by sin, right, it was defined by bondage, it was defined by, by the fact that we were powerless to break free from sin, we were, we were slaves to it. And while we were still helpless, Jesus came, right? At the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born uh, under the law to redeem those under law. So, so we were over here, we were helpless to help ourselves, and yet Jesus came and he set us free. All right? We set us free from sin, and, and now we get the choice. And the choice is, are we going to continue in sin or are we going to live according to God? In this particular section, he's talking about you get the choice of whether or not you're going to love one another or you're going to destroy one another. When we see this, right, he says, don't indulge in sin, but serve one another. And that's a it's an unfortunate translation because the word there is be a slave. OK, all right. Don't indulge in sin, but be a slave towards one another. Serve one another. If, if all we had to do was, was love, that'd be easy, right? We would think that. But unfortunately, more often than not, we as human beings, we as Christians, love to come back over here to hurt one another. I mean, if we were to look at the history of Christianity, it'd be a sad commentary. Because no matter where you look in the history of Christianity, there is constant division, constant fighting, constant arguing over what Jesus said and what he meant by it. I mean, look at Mexico, Missouri. How many churches are there in this town? I mean, more than I can count on, on, on my hands and my wife's hands. All right? That's a lot of different churches. And why are they there? Because of division because of disagreements, because of arguing. And, and for whatever reason, this, this is what happens. 
and, and, and it's unfortunate that this has taken place because Jesus said uh, to his disciples, to praying to God, saying, I hope that they'll be one so that the world may know that you sent me. See, our world loves to divide, and, and, and Paul recognized the problem of division in the church. I mean, he's already talked about it in Galatians. If you remember all the way back in Galatians chapter 2, he talks about how in the church in Antioch there was Peter, and Peter used to uh, eat with the Gentiles, but then some Jews came and kind of talked to him, and he started eating with only the Jews, and he separated himself, and it caused a divide within the church in Antioch. And I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that the same divide is happening in the Galatian churches. I mean, following the customs of the Jews, it meant that you automatically looked down upon people who didn't follow those customs. And so these Christians that are choosing to follow the law of Moses in their lives and using that as their guide on getting closer to God, they are, they are automatically have to look at people who don't agree with them and think, I'm better than you. So I think there is divide, and I think that's what Paul is hinting at in verse 15 when he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or else you'll be destroyed. There was fighting and division. And, and Paul is saying, you have to choose. Are you going to love one another or are you going to hurt one another? And that same choice is in our world today, in our church today. How are we going to treat one another? In love? Or are we going to bite and fight? See, I think uh, this last week has been crazy, right? Watching the news and all that stuff. And I think what we see in our culture today is that we love to divide. I mean, we love placing labels on people so that we can discredit them. So we don't have to listen to their side of the arguments. I mean, our culture is getting to a place where if you disagree with them, you hate them. And therefore, they, they are going to do everything they can to destroy you. No matter what side of the aisle you fall on, this is where we're at. And I think that what we see happening in Charlottesville, what we see happening in all these other places, is that one side feels like they're just, they're, they're freedom is being infringed upon us, so they march, and the other side says, well, they're marching, therefore we need to march, and we're marching about these things that, that's just dividing the country. But as Christians, we are called to unite. We are called not to hate each other, but to love. And, and I don't Honestly, I don't know where I fall on this stuff, okay? Uh, this, is, this is, I think everybody's taking like crazy pills, right? All right? That's where I feel like on a lot of this stuff, all right? And I think that we have to be somewhere not choosing sides but uniting together because that's what we're called to do as Christians, to be one, to work together to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. And I think that that's what, it's talking about when Paul says choose to love each other because I think if we chose to love each other a lot of these things that we're seeing outside of the church it's a result of a lack of love on both sides 
And so if we can stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to love you no matter what you think, no matter how you act, I'm going to love you like Jesus loved you, I think we could change the world. And so we have this choice. We've been set free. We don't have to live over here in hate. We don't have to live over here divisive. We don't have to live over here in bondage to sin. We have been set free. And that freedom means that we can choose to love people like God loved them. Paul continues in verse 16. He says, so I say, uh, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirits you are not under the law so paul's again bringing up this divide okay this dichotomy between the flesh and the spirits and we could call the way that we used to live fleshly living if we would And Paul says that you've been set free to live by the Spirit's guiding in your life. You have a choice. Being free means that you're going to choose to live by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. What's very interesting about redemption is this. Right now, we have been redeemed if we're in Christ and our souls have been given new strength and freedom but our bodies aren't quite redeemed yet. They, they won't fully be redeemed until Jesus comes back and those who are dead in Christ rise again. Those who are in Christ are given glorious bodies just like Jesus. And so while we're living in this world with an unredeemed body but a redeemed soul, we have this conflict inside us. Our flesh still understands sin and still has these desires for sins. And yet our soul is over here saying, you know what? We are supposed to be living this way. And so we see this conflict, right? Between the desires of the flesh and the way of the spirits. And we, when we were used to live over here, had no choice but to follow sin's direction and prodding in our life. But now that we're free, we get the choice. Paul talks about two different things. He talks about the desires of the flesh, and these are the the sins that that our flesh still wants to do, still wants to participate in. And he talks about fulfilling them or gratifying them, as the NIV, NIV translates. And this is bringing it to completion. And we are given the choice. Are we going to fulfill the desires that our flesh has? these sins that we want to participate in, or are we going to listen to the Spirit's guiding in our lives? My son loves ice cream. And every once in a while, he'll ask us if he can have ice cream at like 5 o'clock right before we're about to eat dinner. And we'll say, no, you cannot have ice cream right now. But every once in a while, even after we've said no, he'll sneak downstairs to our deep freeze and open up the freezer and take the ice cream up and eat it out of the carton. Right? And that's kind of where we're at with sin. We are that child that desires ice cream but knows we should wait to get it. And we have that choice. Are we going to wait for our parents to give us the ice cream or are we going to go get it ourselves? Are we going to sneak and do what is wrong? And, and that's, 
that could be a struggle for a five-year-old, right? right? That could be a struggle for us as adults sometimes. And we have to be willing to stand and say, you know what? I'm willing to choose to live by the Spirit. So if we're talking about freedom. Freedom is, is choosing to love other people. Freedom is choosing to live by the Spirit compared to the flesh. And Paul says that live freedom is choosing not to do whatever you want to do. He, he says that earlier in this, but he says it in particular in verses 19 through 21 when he says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he goes into this list, and and what he's saying throughout is, is freedom means that you don't get to do whatever you want to do. A lot of times we think freedom is that, right? I can choose my own path. But God, Paul says, no, no, no. There is some things that you're not supposed to do. And he lists these, these vices, if we will. And what's very interesting, as you start to look at them, you see different things. In fact, the first five things on this list all deal with idolatry worship. In, in the ancient world, you would go to the temple of Zeus or whoever, and there would usually be prostitutes that you could go and have sex with as part of worship of that God. Avoid sexual immorality. And everything in that first five things are, are talking about different things. Impurity is, is a term of worship. Are you able to come before God because you are clean of soul and spirit? And if not, then you are impure. Idolatry, it all centered around that. Uh, witchcraft is actually a very interesting word. It's, it's the use of potions to get closer to God, or drugs, if you will. And so the people would take these drugs to have these ecstatic experiences that they would say are from the gods. Uh, the last two things, the drunkenness and orgies, they also were associated with idolatry as well. These people would have these, these parties that people would come to, and the parties were in honor of Bacchus, which was uh, the Roman god of, of drunkenness. And by the end of the party, uh, people would usually be so inhibited by what they were intaking uh, that they would just go into orgies. Uh, it was just a nasty business. The middle section uh, are, are things dealing with the community and how do we relate to one another. And he uses words like hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, envy. And Paul's saying in the community of people, of believers, these things should not be a part of who we are. You shouldn't be jealous of your fellow Christian or of other people. You shouldn't be prone to rage, to getting angry, to having hatred towards one another, towards envying what another person has. He says that you shouldn't have ambitions that are unhealthy. You shouldn't have discord or dissensions or factions. And within the community of believers, there is a certain way that you should be acting, and that way that you act should not cause division amongst each other. These, these, These things 
are not what we are supposed to do. And, and sometimes it's easy for me to think to myself, you know what, I'm just going to get mad at all these people because I don't like them. I mean, it's easy for us to get into these life situations where that is our attitude. But Paul says you don't get to do whatever you want to do. All right, you've been set free to live by the Spirit. You've been set free to love people, not to have hatred, not to cause division, not to, to continue to worship idols. You've been set free for something else. At the very end of this, he says, uh, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of earth, uh, kingdom of God. And, and right before that, he says something very interesting. He says, and the like. Right? And what he's saying is that not, this list is not an exhaustive list for us. There's a lot more things on this list that Paul could have mentioned. He could have spent a long time writing about things that are, are, are sin, that are over here, that are in this place where we have been set free from. Right, and he says that if you continue to live over here in sin, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just because you've been set free, just because you've at one point in your life made a profession of faith to God, just at one point in time you were baptized into Christ, it doesn't mean that you automatically are getting an inheritance. What it means is you've been set free. And you get to choose now which way you're going to go. Are you going to live by the Spirit and have life? Or are you going to live by the flesh and its desires and have death. It's your choice. It's your freedom. Paul uh, says in opposition to this list, starting in verse 22, this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And so in opposition to this, this fleshly living, Paul instead says, instead of living that way, you have been set free so that you could imitate God. I mean, look at this list. It's all characteristics of our God. And we are called to be in Christ. I mean, throughout this, he's been talking about if you've clothed, been baptized, you've been clothed in Christ, and now people are looking at you and they're mistaking you for Jesus. That's the goal of Christianity, to be mistaken for Jesus, to stand before God in Christ's righteousness, not in our own. Our goal is to be found more and more in the image of the Son. And that means that we have to imitate who God is. And that means that we love. We love people, even if they don't love us back. We love them even if they're hurling insults at us. We love them like God loved us and he sent his son to die the death that we deserve. And as he was hanging there, people spat at him and insulted him. And there are many people in this world that, that will never come to him. And he still died for them. Are we willing to love people in the way that God loved them? 
joy? Do we exhibit joy in our lives? And it's not necessarily being happy all the moments, but it's having joy in our lives where people notice it and they recognize it, that even when life sucks, even when life gets hard, that we are still have a joy that can only come from Jesus. Do we have that joy in our lives? Are we peaceable? Later in this next chapter, Paul's going to say, as much as is possible with you, live at peace with all men. When we're talking about our culture, it's not peace right now, is it? And yet we as Christians, we're called to imitate God's peace. The peace of God was so much that he saw the sins in the world. He saw the enmity that was between us and him because of our sins. And rather than saying, oh, well, too bad for you, he sent Jesus to give us peace. Are we willing to have that peace? To be people of peace, to be peacemakers. Patience. The patience of God is that he doesn't come now and end it all, but rather that he waits for just one more person to come to repentance, to turn to him. The patience that we need in our lives isn't waiting in Walmart's line for 30 minutes and not complaining about it. Patience is recognizing that there are people that need to know about Jesus and that we are waiting patiently for them and not giving up on them. Do we have kindness? Paul in Romans will say the kindness of God leads to repentance. The kindness of God is sending Jesus, even when we were still enemies of him. Are we willing to have kindness towards people that harm us? Are we willing to have goodness and faithfulness when others fail us in life? Are we willing to have self-control in a life that is marred by sin? Every one of these fruit of the Spirit is is a picture of God. And Paul is saying, you are set free so that you can imitate Him in all aspects of your life. And it's not always easy. When people hate us and despise us and say nasty things about us, it's not easy to love them or to have patience with them. It's not easy to have these characteristics in a world that is hurting, in a world that is full of evil. Ultimately, freedom is choosing who we're going to be slaves to. Are we going to be slaves to our own desires and our own flesh and our own sinful cravings? Or are we going to be slaves to God and the Spirit and the goal of loving other people? Moses, at the end of his life, stood before the Israelites. And he asked them a very similar question that I think Paul is asking us here. He looks at them and says, you guys have a choice. You can choose to serve God with all that you are and all the days of your lives, or you can choose to serve your own ways, your idols, however you want to live. And he says the choice really is two things. It's life and it's death. And he says choose life 
that you might live? And I think the same question is for us here in Galatians. Paul is saying you are set free. You have a choice. Which one are you going to choose? The flesh? The spirit? Death? Or life? One leads to the inheritance to the kingdom of God and one doesn't. As Christians in Christ, you have been set free and you are given that choice. I would encourage you to choose life that you might live. Let's pray. Dear God, it is difficult at times to to look at our world and our culture and see uh, everything that's going on. And Father, I just pray for our nation. Uh, I pray for the people in it. Uh, I pray that that cool heads uh, will prevail. I pray, God, as as Christians, we will not divide, but that we'll unite. That we will represent you in all things that we do. That we will choose to love before we choose to hate. Help us, Father, to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. Help us to be you and, and to have people see you when they look at us. Help us to choose the Spirit's way and the Spirit's guiding against the ways that we desire in our flesh. Help us to live a life marked by freedom and help us when it gets tough to do that. I ask this in your name. Amen.